0: Today, let's answer the age old question how do you really know when you're ready for a show? Also, are there any supplements that are on the permanent band list as far as recommendations for me? Let's dig into it. And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is the Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. i tell you what, guys. I got a lot to go over today, and there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about right out of the gate that I'm not going to. I might save that for a later date. Um, What I will say is, hi, by the way, Darren here. You probably know me. If this is your first time listening, hi. It's good to have you here. Um... Uh, I would uh, like to put out a request. Uh, I often do this. Sometimes I forget. Um, Whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on, Leave a review if you find it helpful. Um, Leave a a star rating if appropriate. Like Spotify will allow you now to leave star ratings. iTunes will let you leave reviews or Apple, whatever they call it. Um, So uh, I would greatly appreciate that. Um, I did see there were some negative reviews on iTunes, um, which kind of chapped my hide a little bit. Um, So I would love to kind of bomb those out with some better ones if we could. Um, One of the reviews seemed to think that I complained too much about everything. I can't imagine. Like... Clearly, he was listening to the wrong podcast. When was the last time I've ever complained about anything? My goodness, I am shocked and appalled at the accusations. Um, anyway, uh, so I want to jump in straight to our topic today, our first topic at least, which is the topic of show readiness. Now, this is one of probably the most common questions um, that there is regarding bodybuilding, what is the most common question regarding bodybuilding well let 's go to what 's the name of this site again? Is it ask the public uh answer the public that 's what it is yeah, so this is kind of like a it 's a kind of like a search query um you know like i 'm just going to type in bodybuilding composition competitions and i 'll click on search and it 's going to put together this little uh graph of descriptive words and the questions that come up with and then it's going to give you like cost per click etc so if you're going to like try and build ad campaigns around these words that's the idea here so um what i got here is for bodybuilding competitions you can see search volumes cost per click so and then there's um categories around this wheel here so like are you know are bodybuilding competitions drug tested how are bodybuilding competitions judged when are bodybuilding competitions and then there's like how how bodybuilding competitions are judged. Um, how do bodybuilding competitions work? How many competitions are there? Um, you know what is it? What what bodybuilding competitions are natural? What bodybuilding competitions allow steroids? There's a common theme here in a lot of this stuff. When? So which which competition is right for me? Blah blah blah. So a lot of none of this really um, gets to the question that I get more than anything else, which is when am I ready to compete? That this is the biggest question in the bodybuilding industry um, amongst uh, people who have not done a show yet. So um, I wanted to take some time and dive into that because it is a complex answer. A lot of people will say, well, you need to look a certain way. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to be training for three years beforehand, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just here to say like, all of those standard formulaic answers are all bullshit. Like just like with everything else in bodybuilding, it's an individual thing. And if you try to reduce it down to like, well, this is the correct answer. I'm sorry. Anything in bodybuilding that has a direct answer like that is wrong. Other than, I mean, there are some objective truths like, you know, I mean, I'm struggling to think of one. Um, because everything is individual i was gonna say like how much protein can i assimilate per meal that's still an individual thing there are guidelines on that but if anybody gives you a direct one number answer for that as that incorrect no um so there there are some i can't think of any right now but just like this you know there is no objectively truthful answer for this it's all individual and it all depends uh for me the first question is why are you doing this? What are you looking to get out of it? And the thing is, like the answer to that question isn't necessarily going to um, isn't necessarily going to influence my recommendation, but it's good to know nonetheless, why are you doing this? So I'll use myself as an, as an example here. Like what's your goal in bodybuilding? Well, my goal specifically is to use competitions, as a metric and a, a tool to help implement certain phases so that I can continue to make significant long-term physique improvements. That's it. My goal has nothing to do with a pro card. It has nothing to do with winning a show. I honestly, just from the deepest part of my soul, do not give a shit about that stuff. I truly don't. Like what I want to do is look the best I can, and a show is just a good way to like. Okay, we're doing this show. It's a level of commitment that honestly, it's easier to take that seriously than for me, than than just saying, okay, well, I'm going to cut towards you know this random date in June. It's like no, it's a show, and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to get up there. Like I think that that kind of um, encourages a higher level of compliance, so that I can really see where I can get. So that's my why. That's why I'm doing it. So what's your why? And it's important to be able to answer that question. If you can't answer that question, uh, I mean, you're you're probably not doing this to begin with. So just because everybody has a why as to why they're doing this. And to be clear, like whatever your why is, don't judge yourself on it. Like your why, why are you doing this? It might be a supremely narcissistic answer. Like I want to look hot as shit so I can get attention from people. OK, I mean, you know, that's probably um, there might not be the healthiest approach, but if that's honest and if that like gets you kicking ass and doing stuff like, hey, whatever, I'm not going to judge you for that. Like, you know what that is? That's an honest answer. I like honest answers. That's good. Um, some people would say, well, my my goal is to get a pro card. OK, why? What's a pro card going to do for you? It's not going to change your life. Um, what it is, it's going to be the most expensive piece of paper, if they even give you a piece of paper that you own. Outside of a college degree, probably. Um, And even then, like, I know people who have spent more on their pro car than they have on a college degree. Um, Some people just want to win shows. Why? You know, what are you really doing it for? Like, keep peeling the layers off the onion until you figure out exactly why you're doing this. And chances are, it's going to be something that's like ego or self-gratification based. And once again, that is fine. This is a sport that's built on vanity. You know, so, you know, anybody who's going to um, begrudge you that, like, people are like, I want to go and I want to win. Okay, well, why do you want to win? Why is that important to you? You know, I, I think it's just very, very important to lay down a marker on that so you know why you're doing it. It's also a good thing to just kind of refer back to if you need reminders on tough days. Why am I doing this again? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's because I want to lock hot as shit naked. That's why. Okay, that, that's a fair answer. That's good. Um, more power to you. Absolutely. And I say that in kind of a dismissive way. I, I don't mean it that way. Like that's totally valid. If it's important to you, then that's good enough for me. Um, I will say, I don't have a lot of clients who tell me that. I think it's just because a lot of people don't want to say that out loud, but honestly, it's like, whatever I get it. That's fine. That's fine. No judgment for me. None, none whatsoever. Um, so what are you doing it for? That's the real question. Um, But then also, like, what are we hoping to get from the process of doing this? Um, So a a couple of things here. Some people just want to do this as a bucket list item, just a one and done, just to say they did it. Okay, cool. So then the question is, well, what do you hope to get out of it? Right? Like, do you just want to go up to to say that you did it? Because, um, you know, having not prepped for a show, you could sign up for a show this next weekend and walk up on stage and do it. Like and just be the the worst looking person up there you- you could do that there's nothing stopping you from doing it. there's no requirements. there's no definition of readiness. You're ready if you paid the entry fee and you and you have your your organization's membership card. that's what makes you ready has nothing to do with how you look so like just in absolute terms, readiness is a dollar amount <laughs> it's it's will you pay the fee? so what if you if you want to do this once like okay for what purpose like do you want to like you know get up there so you've got some photos to show your grandkids like hey i did this competition in which case you know it doesn't really matter how you look i don't want to be totally dismissive of that but you know your grandkids aren't going to know a a first place finisher from a fifth place finisher they're going to know the difference so you know what, what what's the purpose here do you want to really challenge yourself and push yourself and you know really, really be tested and suffer a little bit? Um, Do you want to really like, I want to go through this whole process and I want to bring the best package possible, but I think I only want to do it once. That happens a lot. And oftentimes it turns into doing it more than once. So I never really assume that somebody who, if they're going to go through the trouble of doing a show is going to be a one and done kind of person. It does happen. You know, I've had people, I've had clients before who have competed and be like, yeah, I didn't really like that. I'm like, I don't blame you. I don't like show day either. I like the process and I tolerate show day because I really like the process. Um, And again, having that marker on the calendar is just a a good compliance tool for me. It keeps me a little bit more honest with myself than I would be if I just picked a random date. So, um, but what are you looking to do? If you're just looking to do one show, for what purpose? Like how much time do you want to spend getting ready for that show? Because really, Like, bodybuilding isn't something that lends itself to doing it once and then just not doing it again. Because the amount of work that it takes to do one show and do it well is absurd. It's absurd absurd. Um, because realistically, if you want to do it well, for most people, that means several years in the gym, putting on muscles so that you have something to show once you're lean. Um, and a lot of people, they want to shortchange that side of the equation and not put in that work and just be like, oh, I've gone to the gym for a few years. Sure. Let me, uh, let me get ready for a show. I'm like, yeah, but have you been training for a body, bodybuilding competition for several years? Because that's what it takes. Just having a gym membership and going kind of casually and like, that's not, that's, that ain't going to do it unless you're a genetic freak. So, um, by the way, on the subject of genetic freaks, let's just quick detour here. I saw somebody post on social media, they posted reposted a picture of Sean Clarita, um, uh, who's he's the two twelve Olympia winner, I think if I if I got that right. Um, and a picture of him like at whatever he is, like one hundred and seventy-eight pounds on stage or something like that. Um Versus a photo of him like at 98 pounds when I think he was like in high school wrestling or something like that, like a before after. And the caption that this guy wrote was, don't tell me it's all genetics. I'm like, dude, you clearly have no idea what genetics mean because (laughs) just because you haven't lifted yet doesn't mean doesn't mean you have bad genetics like give me a break like you can tell like you know here's a 15 year old kid in this picture it looked like he was 15 who has never lifted weighs 98 pounds I'm like yeah he clearly has good genetics here as well it's just he's never lifted give me a break anyway little detour sorry I do complain about stuff don't I that's true that's a true fact it is so Um, the amount of work that it takes to do one show is so ridiculous. If you want to do it right, it's kind of dumb to just do one show. Like for, for most people, this will turn into a hobby. It's a very expensive hobby. It's one of the most expensive hobbies there is. It's every bit as expensive as a hobby as being a musician, um, and having a guitar collection that's way too big. Looking in the mirror right now, my collection is all cheap guitars though. So there is that I got that going for me, um, but it's an expensive hobby, so be ready for that. Um, if you want to, you know, uh, compete. I had somebody who, uh, a, a prospective client, who came to me recently and said their goal was to compete in the NPC and turn pro in the IFBB. Cool. I didn't grill this person on exactly why they wanted to do that, but having that stated as a goal, when I didn't even really have to ask, they just put that out there. I'm like, cool. They're serious about this. Awesome. So whatever the why is, it's not crucial that you share that with somebody. What is crucial is that if you put that out there, you understand that that is a difficult goal, and you have to be ready to put in the level of work to do that. Um, It's it's going to be hard and you're going to need to have some lucky breaks go your way as well. You can't just be good. You have to be lucky as well, Um, which means like you have to show up, bring it at every show that you do. And um, oftentimes it's it is about getting lucky and who else shows up on that stage with you. And are you better than them? Some days the answer will be yes. Some days the answer will be no. So, um, but state the goal, know why you're doing it. But then also, um, for, for this person, they're like, okay, the goal is to, to turn a pro and, and be an IFEB pro. And so, uh, now it comes down to, okay, well, how do I know when I'm ready for my first show? And, um, there's different schools of thought here. Um, well, a lot of people are saying, well, your first show, you need to leave a mark. Like you need to really show up and make a good splashy debut To which I say, okay, well, that takes more time, like you're going to need to have more muscle on your frame, you're going to need a longer prep as well, you might need to spend a lot of time, um, you know, before any of that happens, just additional work on the body, etc., which could be valuable, it could pay off, Um, but also like, what's going to happen after that first show? That's the real question here. Best case scenario, you win your class, great, and then you're nationally qualified, it's a best case scenario out of a first show. We're talking NPC specifically because the path to turning pro in other organizations, like you can turn pro in your first show with the OCB. And I know I've, I've complained. Yes. About this in the past. Um, I'm a firm believer that you can't do anything once and be called a professional after doing it once. So I think the fact that the OCB awards pro pro cards to people in their first show is laughable. I think that's a joke and I think it diminishes their credibility as an organization. Um, how would I do it differently? I don't know, but it wouldn't be that. Um, like I, for all their faults, I think the NPC has the right idea in that, like, they make you kind of jump through some hoops. They make you play in the fire and they make you pay your dues. And I think that's fair because at that point, our pro cards earned, like you will have to compete at least twice to be a pro. And if you do that, you are, you are a rare specimen. It is just not, not common. It does happen, but it is not common. Um, so when are you ready? That, that's the real question that we're trying to get at here. When are you ready to compete? Well, is there value in doing a show before some other people might think that you're ready? So let's say, you, best case scenario, you compete, you, um, go and you win that first show, and then you go to nationals. All right, cool. All right, you're, you're looking to be one of those people who turns pro in their second show. Awesome. You have to get that national qualification, step on a national stage, can you win your class here, finish top two, and earn a pro card? Very often, um, you will find it's a bigger stage and be like, oh, shit, I'm not ready for this. Like, yeah, I won that previous show, and now I got my ass handed to me. And also, like, I've had one show worth of experience for posing – for presentation, for understanding the ins and outs of what happens on show day, for handling peak week, for handling show day, communication with my coach, all this crap. Like, Don't expect to turn pro in your second show. A lot of people show up um, looking to hire me as a coach thinking that they're going to fast track it. I'm like, the only people that are going to fast track it are genetic freaks. okay? And those genetic freaks have to be hard workers as well. So um, if you're not both of those, it ain't going to happen. And if you are both of those, you still have to get lucky right? It's still about who else shows up. So expect to be in this for the long haul. If you heard my, my interview with Autumn Cleveland, a few episodes back, you know, I don't remember what she said, but how many shows did she do before she turned pro? Like, you know, how many times did she compete at a national level show before finally earning a pro card? A bunch, a bunch plan on that plan on that. Don't, don't expect to be fast tracked towards anything. Point being, And and I guess like the, the crux, my, my main thesis here is I think there is tremendous value in doing a show before a lot of other people might think that you are quote unquote ready for it simply because of the experience you get in going through the process, getting up on stage, being in that environment where people are staring at you, judges are writing notes, the lights are hot. You're trying to hold this pose, Your stomach's gurgling. You're like, oh, God, my legs are starting to shake a little bit. I didn't practice my posing long enough. Like, you need to have a whole series of oh, shit moments before you really understand what competing is all about. And I think there is tremendous value in ripping the Band-Aid off early in the process before you're, quote, unquote, ready by um, other standards. Just because then for show number two, which I would then strongly advocate taking a long break off season, prep again but show number two now we're going to treat this as though it's the first show but we have the experience of actually having been on stage before so now you're like oh okay so what you don't want is to spend all your time you know growth season for years prepping for this show killing yourself like you're, you're stepping on the Olympia stage when it's your first show and you get up there and it's a deer in headlights because you've never done this before you just completely freeze your posing's terrible and everything sucks right like you just need some reps you need some reps and some practice and being up on stage and understanding what that experience is like because until you do it no matter if you do like mock shows at posing clinics or something like that it's different once the lights are down and the music's on and the judges are in front of you so as far as people saying like you know hey i've got a show in 15 weeks do you think i'll be ready like, I don't know, ready by whose definition? Uh, like, I think that's a, an impossible question to answer without really, like, digging into a, a pretty detailed psychological profile for the person asking the question. Like, what are you looking to do here? And the default answer is like, well, I want to win or, you know, I want to be competitive. It's like, okay, well, you don't know because you don't know who's going to show up. Like, there are standards that you could aim for and you want to hit that. Those standards are not that difficult to hit. Um, now, taking that and turning that into a high placing can be a lot more challenging. But again, I think there is value in doing it sooner. And, you know, you might surprise yourself. You might get up there and be like, you know, I didn't, I didn't place very well, but man, I was smooth as butter on stage. Like, you've got some video of yourself. You were owning it on stage. You look comfortable. You look confident. I'm like, Okay. Clearly, you're kind of built for this, right? I'm not that person. I get up on stage, and I turn into, like, a wooden stick figure um, who has the fa- all the, the facial charisma of a serial killer. Like, that's me on stage. And, like, I would love to fix that. I don't know how. Because everybody's like, smile more. I'm like, that just makes me look more like a serial killer. You know, it's just... You know, when when somebody asks me to smile for a photo, oftentimes they're like, "Never mind, just go back to what you were doing before." It's like, yeah, uh, that that's my big problem. Now, thankfully, it's less of an issue for guys. I had this conversation with someone in the gym the other day. I think I was talking with Ariel. Um, she competes in wellness, and uh, I was like, you know, it's not fair that you know women have to do hair and makeup, and guys don't, and women like you know overall beauty and presentation is part of their judging criteria. Like it should be for guys too. like ugly guys should get fucked on stage. As far as judging placements go, like we should I agree. I mean, I would, I would never make it past second call out ever again, but you know, I I think it's only fair. I don't like the double standard. Anyway, once again, here I go, I'm complaining about stuff. You got got to watch yourself around me. I will, I'll turn anything into a, a reason to complain about something. So, um, anyway, Point being, what are you doing it for? What is ready? mean to you and if you have first of all nobody ever thinks they're going to be ready for a show it's very rare when you find somebody that's like i'm six weeks out i'm crushing this i'm going to look like fire on stage i'm like nobody ever says that Everybody's like i'm six weeks out and i just stress ate some food because i had a panic attack because i'm not going to be ready like that is the norm that is what everyone does so when you find yourself doing that understand that you're in good company and sometimes it's like you're going to be fine look you're six weeks out you're great and other times it's like you're not six weeks out you know if if, if you 're going to ask me for just an objective like "Am I ready for this show?" I will tell you, and the answer is almost always no um, you 're not ready to be competitive for this show, so um, like you need more time because most people do want to rush the process, as I said, I think there can be some value in rushing the process for the experience of it as well so there isn 't a right answer there isn 't a right or a wrong answer there is one that I tend to favor, which is get the experience, get the experience just because that experience can then inform so many things that you do for the months to follow. Um, you you can it can drastically change how you approach things with your training with your diet your mindset can be completely shifted you can meet people that kind of change your outlook on things as well like all kinds of stuff can happen I just think there's so much value in doing that like before you're quote unquote ready and I always tell people you know find your your favorite Olympia athlete and then go and d- go down a rabbit hole and search for their first competition photo and you will find that most of them were not quote unquote ready at their first show. It's fine. Everybody starts somewhere. That's the thing. Everybody starts somewhere. Don't feel like you have to start at the finish line, which I think is what a lot of people do. A lot of people compare themselves to their favorite IFBB pros are like, I don't look like that. I'm like, yeah, they didn't at their first show either. So chill out, chill out, <laughs> have, have some perspective and allow yourself to, um, to be a beginner at something, allow yourself to go up on stage and get your ass kicked. You know, it, it's going to happen for most of us. For some of us, maybe a little bit a uh, little bit more than others, but it is going to happen. Um, we got a voicemail here. This is from Grace. I'm going to try and drop this in and see what happens here. So I have not listened to this. This is going to be news to me. So um, I need to open up, um, type in here, notepad. So I'm ready to take some notes here. So we're going to see if we can do this live. And here's the voicemail. Okay, I can see... What track am I dropping it into here? This one here. And all right, Grace, take it away. Let's see what you got. And go.
1: Hey, Coach. It's Grace here. Um, Before I get into my two questions, I just wanted to point out that it looks like you swapped a couple of digits in the last four of the call number on the last show's notes. It said 5659 rather than 6569. So you might want to just audit that so that people are able to leave you comments and questions
0: this is why I need okay
1: on to my two questions the first one is are there any supplements that you recommend people do not take this can be anything over-the-counter anything prescribed by a sports doctor like progesterone or uh, just straight-up gear you get off the black market what are some items that have landed themselves on the shit list and why (laughs) my second question is what are the most common myths about bodybuilding and fitness that you find yourself addressing with current or potential clients? Hmm. Okay, that's all I got. Thank you very much, and I look forward to tuning in to the next episode.
0: Grace, you rock. Thank you. Okay, great questions. And So here's the thing. I have, um, is this my cut and paste thing here? Yeah. Okay. So um, my show notes, I have a cut cut and paste show note addendum here. So um, it says call in and leave a question. Drop me a voicemail at, and sure enough, um, that is incorrect. I had finger dyslexia when I typed that. 865-518-6569. If you want to call in and leave a question, Jesus H. Thank you, Grace. So um, supplements on the shit list. Yeah, um, there are a few. Um, so I'm doing this off the cuff. Um, again, that was the first time I heard this. You have to take my word for it. Uh, I'd I, I like being surprised. I like, you know, I like listening to a call-in radio show where the host is asked questions and just has to offer some off-the-cuff kind of stuff. So this is the closest I can come to doing this. It's on the honor system. You have to take my word for it that I didn't listen to that beforehand. So, um, supplements not to take o- over the counter or otherwise. So let's talk over the counter. Um, oral L-carnitine is one. Um, it is fairly popular. Um, But don't take it. It's a waste of money. Oral L-carnitine is extremely poorly absorbed by the body. It's not going to hurt you. It just does nothing to help you. Um, If you want to take L-carnitine, you really need to take the injectable form, um, which you can get from, you know, Amino Asylum, you know, King Peptides, any place that sells research chemicals. Um, You have to be okay with injections. You have to be okay with buying something that says not for human consumption, but that label is put on there with a very, very heavy wink, wink, um, because they know why people are buying it. Um, but, uh, L-carnitine injectable works. It's good. Uh, It can be a little painful. Um, the actual injection itself can kind of sting for a little bit and kind of be uncomfortable, not just the needle, but the actual substance can be. So it's, it's not the most popular thing in the world for a lot of people, but it's, you know, it's manageable. It's, you know, ow, that sucks for five or 10 minutes and it's fine. Um, but oral L-carnitine is good. Um, I'm sorry. Injectable L-carnitine is good. Oral L-carnitine is an absolute waste of money, complete and total waste. So, um, what else over the counter? I've talked about creatine plenty. I don't think it's on the shit list. I just don't recommend it. Um, similarly, I am, I'm evaluating my recommendation of BCAAs and glutamine just because of studies that have been questioning their efficacy. Especially for somebody who's already following a high-protein diet, the idea being you do not need to supersaturate yourself with these things. They don't actually do anything once they reach a certain level in the body, which anybody following a high-protein diet already has sufficient levels of. So um, it's one of those things where supplement companies have kind of... Um, They've been riding this wave for a long time of people buying this stuff on habit. And so now if I revise my recommendations and be like, yeah, I don't think you really need to take this. People are going to still buy it anyway. Um, you know, so I've actually stopped, um, taking, um, uh, uh BCAA specifically. Um, I ran out a couple months back and just have never re-upped and what do I notice? Absolutely nothing. Nothing has changed. So, um, I am taking creatine currently myself only because I have a canister of it in my cupboard from a while back that's been in there for a while. I'm just using it to get rid of it. I'm basically throwing it away by putting it through my body five grams at a time. Um, do I notice anything from it? No, 100% no. Um, should I just throw the rest of it away? Yeah, probably, but I don't like to waste stuff. Um, so, anything else on the shit list? Um, greens powders i never recommend again are they going to kill you or anything no um are they worthless yeah pretty much like just take a multivitamin you know a lot of greens powders will have 40 to 60 calories in them like just take a multivitamin it's no less effective than that um so and and it's cheaper and it's simpler just swallow the fucking pill (laughs) make it simple make it simple um now, she also said uh, over-the-counter or otherwise, so whether it's gear or prescribed stuff. So anything prescribed is prescribed for a reason. What I will say, and um, you know, there's been uh, a, a fair bit of reasoning behind this, is if you're going through an HRT clinic and they notice that your testosterone or progesterone or estrogen are off for women, um, I would say... Google and so let's say your progesterone is low. Google low progesterone symptoms and see if that sounds like you. And if it doesn't, let it let, just let it go. Um, because if you um, if you overcompensate and go with too aggressive of, of a progesterone dose, um, it can suck. It can suck, and suddenly you can go from not really having a problem to having some problems. And the solution is just cut it out. So um, you all, always treat the symptom. Um, with uh, specifically, in my opinion, with female hormone, HRT, treat the symptom, not the lab marker. Um, With testosterone, you want to treat the lab marker because oftentimes the symptom is just like, well, my performance sucks, but it always has. So I can't, I don't know that it sucks. Right. And so if your testosterone for women comes back at like a four or a six, which is pretty common, Yeah. Fix that shit. Absolutely. Um, like, are you experiencing low T symptoms? Well, if you Google low T symptoms for women, it's, it's not going to tell you anything that's really super insightful. Um, but if you get that number up to a slightly super physiological level around like 60 to 80 nanograms per deciliter way more effective way everything will be better everything is will be markedly improved and at that level you're not really putting yourself at risk for any like androgenic side effects or anything like that in most cases there's always going to be exceptions so um as far as gear, um, I've talked about it before. It's been a long time, but I've had a change of heart regarding equipoise. I never recommend it to clients anymore um, uh, just because it's it's not tested in humans, and it does nothing that other anabolics can't do, um, that have been clinically tested to death in humans. So stick with things that have been tested. Absolutely. Um, SARMs avoid lack of human testing, lack of quality control, um, lack of ability to test the product yourself to see if it is actually what you're taking. And if you're taking that, you know, you're already buying something that's kind of third party black market or gray market. Just don't. And just, you know, um, (laughs) Explore the possibility of just playing with anabolics instead, or getting on TRT or something like that. So, um, but SARMs, no, especially like if you're already running anabolics and like I'm going to introduce a SARM, just no, don't. It's not going to do anything that you know an extra fifty milligrams of gear can't do. And you're taking something that is much more predictable; it's a known quantity, et cetera. Do I advocate any of this stuff? No, I don't. Everybody needs to make their own decisions. As far as making intelligent decisions on what to avoid, those are two things that I would recommend avoiding specifically. So, um, otherwise, and if you're looking at something like halo testing, um, there better be a good use for that. Um, Anivar is actually on my shit list. Um, I never recommend it just because the quality of it is, uh, among the sketchiest of any product you can possibly buy. Um, unless you have, unless you're willing to waste money buying something and then getting it tested with an at-home test kit and potentially throwing it away when it comes back as not being anovar, if you're comfortable with that, cool, go for it. It can be, it can be useful if you find some real stuff. I would say you will more likely than not get something fake. You will get D ball or something instead. So, um, for women we could talk about a shit list and it's going to be a much longer list of compounds, but just generally, um, Anything that is um, of suspect quality, of which Anavar is at the very top of the list, Prima Bolan is kind of up there as well, although it's a little bit, uh, a little bit less problematic there. So, um, most common bodybuilding myths. Huh, that one's kind of catching me flat-footed here. Um, let me take a quick little drink. Let me think about that. Hold on. Well, there's a lot of screwed up stuff just regarding, you know, dietary philosophies and training philosophies. Um, I don't know that they're most common, but I do a lot of um, correcting with people on, um, you know, a lot of people think more protein is better. It is up to a point, And once you pass that point, it's just more calories, um, a lot of fighting on that. Um, Food quality, like if you're going strictly for body composition, your food quality does not really matter. Your macros matter. Um, If you're talking about your health, food quality can matter significantly. But if you're just looking to reduce body fat, food quality and the concept of eating clean is highly overrated. Don't eat clean, eat precise and accurate. That's what you need to do. Clean is overrated. Um, A lot of things about like... You know, don't eat white rice. Don't eat white bread. I'm like, why? The color of it doesn't make it bad. Like, don't be food racist, dipshits. Um, that's a big one. I think a lot of these are like, you know, kind of like Dr. Oz level bullshit things where, you know, like your soccer moms are going to fall for this stuff. But most competitors probably know better, I would think, or at least they aren't exposed to this level of stupidity. But I just see it all the time. Like, I mean, you know, with my social media feed, I get this crap all the time. Training stuff. You know, everybody has an opinion on what the best exercise for this muscle group is. And this is why you should only do this exercise for this muscle group. All that's just clickbait nonsense. You know, most of the myths are honestly that that we have these days are just bullshit. Um, that that it's clickbait just to generate, you know, clicks on links and that's it. And so people throwing out catchy, um, taglines or promises that simply aren't true. Like do this one weird trick to do this. Like, don't do that one weird trick. Don't even read about that one weird trick because I guarantee you it's stupid. Um, oh, one other thing that's on the, um, over the counter supplement shit list, um, would be, um, fake steroids. Like, you, you know, whoa, God, what was the company? I want to say it was like, oh, it started with a V. I don't know. It was Some company that showed up in my ads and they were like, this is the legal alternative to steroids. So if you ever see anything like that, like just run away, it's trash. It's absolute trash. Um, or, you know, why IGF-1 is the secret to unlocking your muscle growth potential. Run away. Run the fuck away from that stuff. No, 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 and no. Hard no. Because um, it's not even IGF-1. It's something that's going to promote the release of additional IGF-1, which doesn't do much. And IGF-1 isn't the problem anyway. So uh, yeah, I- anything that promises something, anything supplemental that promises something, if it actually works, it is illegal without a prescription. I can guarantee you that that that's the ironclad truth of bodybuilding. So, um, take that one to the bank. (laughs) Most common myths, anything else like, um, how about competitive bodybuilding? How about water loading on peak week? How about we just not do that ever again? Everybody, I talk to everybody in the gym. They're like, oh yeah, I'm starting my water load. And I just want to be like, don't, but I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Like, I just don't want to have the conversation with people anymore because everybody has their ideas. They're like, it worked for me before. I'm like, how do you know? Have you tried not doing it and see what happens then? Like the, the idea of drinking three gallons of water a day a week out before the show, like why are you changing all these variables now? you're a week out from the show. You should be ready. If you're not, that's not going to make you ready. And if you are ready, just don't do that. Just rest up for the week and walk out on fucking stage. That's it. Like the the thought of a complex peak week. So complex peak weeks started in the sixties. Um, and they continue today because they allow coaches to make themselves feel very smart. I have this, you know, image of somebody uh, at a show backstage, some coach who's in a tracksuit and he's kneeling down with his his hand on his chin looking at somebody. He's like, you need another 10 grams of carbs. I'm like, you are just trying to make yourself look smart. 10 grams of carbs ain't gonna do shit, buddy. Like, yeah, like you are trying to make yourself feel important and look smart because you hold the key and have the answers. When realistically, you know, day of show adjust- adjustments should be pretty close to non existent because you should be ready one day out. You should be ready two days out. Like you're making little adjustments to timing more than anything else. Um, maybe some carb amounts here and there, not 10 grams. 10 grams isn't going to do shit. So stop trying to do shit to, to make yourself look and feel important. I always tell my clients, like, we're going to keep this as simple as possible you're going to think I'm lazy but it's just because you've done the work you're ready the most important thing to do on peak week is rest your body that's what's going to make more of a difference than any garbage with water manipulation with sodium manipulation only drink distilled water for some fucking reason I have no idea why I mean I know why they say it but no please don't Um, like just stop doing the dumb stuff like there's a lot of myths around that that have perpetuated keep in mind you know how much stuff has changed since the 1960s look at the cars that people were driving in the 1960s versus what we can drive now, you know, about, you know, people were still smoking on airplanes in the 1960s, <laughs> you know, think about how much has changed. Why are people still pee Like it's the 1960s. Like we have learned some things since then. Why don't we implement them? So a lot of the myths aren't necessarily myths. They're just dumb shit that needs to die. I guess it'd be a better way to put it. So, um, that's what I got. I'm going to shut up. I'm going to shut up. I feel like I've dug myself enough of a hole here. I do feel like I've done a good job of not getting myself canceled in this episode, at least I don't think. Um uh So we'll see, you know, live to fight another day, maybe. Anyway, um, thank you all for listening. I have no idea what episode number it is. Um, We'll be back with more next week. I appreciate you all for listening. Um, Like I said, go leave a review, um, leave a a star rating wherever you listen. I would greatly appreciate that. Share the episode online with your friends. Really appreciate that. I have fixed the call-in number in the show notes also, so it will be correct now. So if you want to call in and leave a message, please do. It uh, was 865-518-6569. Listen to what I say, not what I write, except what I write is now correct as well. Thank God.